Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Morning Chat with Julian Hoes. This is where we bring you good news and politics from the last couple of days and give you guys a good idea of what's going on in the world around us. Now, the weather today is 13 degrees in Amsterdam, 13 degrees in Brussels, 17 degrees in Paris, 12 degrees in London, 14 degrees in Bucharest, and 15 degrees in Madrid. And we've got a couple of good news stories for you today. So first of all, Paris, the well, the Parisian uh, government has started handing out free masks to protect those who are out and about and traveling and having to go out in public for work and other reasons. This is important because not every country is doing this and this is a, a forward initiative compared to what the government's going to be rolling out in about a week's time. The EU Balkan summit is happening today also, which is intended to send a message of support to the Balkans, particularly to countries such as North Macedonia and Albania, who have recently been given the green light to begin membership talks with the European Union. Now, I'm sure most people who follow me on Twitter remember the spat that happened late last year regarding the accession process and the fact that uh, the France, among other countries, including the Netherlands, nixed the accession to, um, criteria for countries such as Albania and North Macedonia and pushed for a revamping of those requirements to join the EU. Now, I have three big questions for you today. And the first one is something that happened yesterday and has caused a bit of confusion and not everybody knows where they should stand on this and what's happening. But the question is, what does the German Federal Constitutional Court ruling actually mean for the ECB? Now, the ECB is the European Central Bank, which is the main financial organization within the or institution within the EU. And the German Federal Constitutional Court ruled that the European Central Bank's 2015 bond buying program could actually be illegal. And in a, what's being seen as a challenge to the independence of the ECB and the authority of the Court of Justice of the European Union, the primary legal institution of the European Union, there is a question of whether the, the bond buying program is illegal, whether it fit the mandate of the ECB and whether or not the CGEU actually has the authority to give a legal ruling on topics such as this because, not everybody's aware of this, but the CGEU actually made a decision to allow this bond bank program in order to support the uh, European economies and help countries deal with issues. And now this is providing a, this is a stumbling block, effectively. What we have here is a decision that's going to impact the way that the EU functions, not only because of the fact that the ECB now needs to effectively prove that it has the mandate to do so, but the CGEU, the Court of Justice of the EU European Union, now has to actually give a justification for its role in the decision-making process at a European level. This is dangerous, and a lot of people have said that this is dangerous, because it gives autocrats and eurosceptics a lot of firepower to use against the European Union. Now what I mean by this is that you've got Viktor Orban in Hungary and the Polish government who are currently in a fight with the European Union regarding a rule of law dispute and whether or not they are able to do what they what they feel like they can do. So both countries are undermining you know human rights law, they're undermining 
civil rights law, they are undermining international law, and they are effectively trying to get out of fitting the criteria of uh, European law for being a European member state and undermining European law overall. This kind of judgment, which a lot of people are on the fence whether it actually supersedes the CGEU's mandate on authority or whether it undermines it or whether it's completely irrelevant, this gives a lot of firepower to people like Salvini, Viktor Orban, Marine Le Pen and even those in the UK who were against CGEU oversight. It's it's dangerous. Let, let's be entirely honest. This is the kind of thing that can really cause problems in the EU's legal infrastructure, in the EU's legal environment even. But we have to wait and see what the CJEU says. They did come back... Well, the ECB came back quite quickly and took note of the judgment and basically said that the CJU had already determined it was legal, that they were going to continue working on their mandate as it was, and that effectively they weren't going to... It, it was a bit of a brushing off of the judgment by, this, by the organisation. However, there are some arguments for how we can avoid this kind of situation from happening in future, the sad thing is that it mostly resolve, revolves around treaty changes to the European Union treaties. Now, this is a major issue, and this is something that I'm not going to take too much time on on this topic because it's quite in-depth, and I'm happy to make a video after I'm done working on the current video for Europe Day that I'm working on. But effectively, what this would require is a, an agreement at the European Council level within the European Parliament and the Council and the Commission then on what this treaty change would entail and then after this, after following the normal process of developing treaties and changing treaties and all of this kind of complex political procedure and legal procedure I'll add, the treaty change would then need to be ratified by every single European member state's parliament which is where the stumbling block comes in because if there were treaty changes to give the ECB more broader financial controls or powers over financial matters on a European level, then what you're going to end up running into is the fight between the fiscal hawks and the fiscal doves that we've been seeing since the financial crisis. So you're going to have those who believe that the member states should have total control of this, such as the Netherlands, such as Germany, such as Austria, who would more than likely refuse to take part in any treaty change because they would feel that it would impact their ability to have fiscal responsibility. Whereas you would then end up having countries like France who would more than likely support greater powers for the ECB, as Emmanuel Macron has been pushing for since his uh, election in 2017, and particularly since his Sorbonne speech in late 2017. And effectively what you'd end up seeing is not much would really change unless major concessions were made to these states. After that, we don't know what would happen if this actually came about, Obviously, this is just a hypothetical situation. I'm just speaking about this from the knowledge that I have of the way these countries behave and the way that things function on this way. But we'll see what happens. We'll see how it goes. We'll see what happens in the next couple of days regarding this constitutional court's ruling out of Germany and whether or not the it actually matters or whether it's just ignored and the ECB and the CJEU continue as is. Now... The next question came from one of my YouTube followers. 
So, are there any French exceptions for entering the country during the COVID-19 lockdown? This was in relation to the last episode where we discussed the uh, quarantine measures in France and how they had changed and all of these kind of small, minute details. Now, the particular exceptions that this individual was looking for answers on were entering the territory not specifically for work. So, particularly making uh, taking part in marriages and other organizational issues like this that require physical presence. Now I can say for the time being that there are no exceptions being put in place for people to enter the country from outside of the EU. This is just how it is. The, the quarantine measures that were revealed a few days ago, and if you go back to my last episode, you'll see that I mentioned that the quarantine measures put in place will not affect European, Schengen or UK citizens trying to travel into France. And they will not be placed into the mandatory 14-day quarantine that was mentioned. Now, regarding marriages and the like, marriages are... Um, I don't believe they're, they're meeting any specific exemptions. They don't have any exemptions for if you can get married if you can travel into France to get married, I believe that it's early on from the 11th of May, it is really just work. You move around to work. That's it. You're not going around to socialize, even though I'm sure many people will. You're not traveling around to, you know, take part in special events because public events are still, for the most part, under controls and under severe restrictions. However, as we start moving towards the 24th of July, when the current health of state of health emergency and sanitary emergency is in place until, we're going to see a gradual weakening and a gradual rolling down of what's going on. And that's when you're going to start seeing people who are going to be hosting marriages, hosting events, hosting, you know, public proceedings, this kind of thing. It's going to take time, it's not immediate, and it's going to be rolled out progressively by the French government by Edouard Philippe, by Emmanuel Macron, by all the organizers, all the individuals in question who actually have a role in developing these procedures. However, for now, there's no special exceptions. It's not going to be business as usual in France for a while now. It's really going to be a case of, you know, see how it goes. Are we going to have a severe second wave? If not, maybe things are going to go back to normal. But broadly speaking, Events in France are mostly cancelled. There's not going to be anything big until maybe end of August, mid-August, probably early September at the earliest. We're going to have to wait and see. Final question, which also came from the last episode and that I couldn't fully cover, sadly, because of the confines of time and because I didn't want to go over 30 minutes max with one of these. Is globalization finished? Now... This is a question that's very multifaceted and has a lot of factors involved and there is a lot of confusion over this because of the fact that with the um, Brexit referendum, with the election of Donald Trump, with the uh, near election of Marine Le Pen, with the former government in uh, Austria, with the rise of the IFD, Alternative for Dolcent, and Salvini government in Italy, there Lots of people are saying globalization is over, globalization isn't going to happen, particularly now with the role that people perceive globalization as having played in the COVID-19 pandemic.
However, I am one of those who definitely does not believe that globalization is finished. Globalization is a natural result of what's happening in human development and societal development in our civilizations to date. These are, if we put it into context, we started with small groups that were trading with one another. These groups got slightly larger, got slightly larger until they became national economies, got slightly larger until they became supranational, international, these types of issues. And they are very much continuing to grow to the point that globalization is a simple factor of life. That's it. We're not going to see globalization going down. Globalization isn't going to be finished anytime soon. The way economies work may change after this. That's entirely likely. We may see more sustainable economic practices. We may see, you know, circular economies. We may see governments working in different ways with one another. We may see European economies working in a similarly different way. But is globalization finished? No. Globalization still has a major role to play in the way governments work and the way the global economies function now. We're going to see more production coming away from foreign countries like China, I believe, when it comes to medical production and medical equipment. Purely because we've seen what happens as a result of that in delaying effective responses to pandemics and illnesses that strike our countries. However, that doesn't mean that globalization is finished. You're still going to see international product chains for, let's say, materials required to build masks, for example, or respirators, or maybe for for cars. The election of Emmanuel Macron led to a further push on how these how our countries function when it comes to constructing equipment and products with the push for, you know, European champions in industries such as aeronautics and vehicles and trains as well. We're going to see this idea being developed further and further. This isn't going to undermine globalization. This is this is going to restructure it in a way that's more less China heavy and is going to bring these things back more towards the European Union, towards the US, and is going to lead to hopefully more jobs being created in our countries, within our territories and these kind of issues. But that's not going to end up killing globalization. What's going to happen is we're going to see more people more jobs, more industries coming back to where we are, hopefully. And then we're going to see how this goes. But anyway, guys, thank you very much for tuning in. Thank you very much for your questions once again. It was very helpful to... I hope it was very helpful to you too, to be able to clarify these issues and give you guys the information on what's going on. As I've, um, I'm always saying, these are primarily for you guys to give you guys the answers to the questions you may have on topics and current events happening and to answer any specific questions you have. One YouTube follower was apologizing for answering a very specific question. Please don't apologize for these questions, guys. I'm here to give you guys the information you need. I'm here to help you guys understand what's going on. And I'm here to clarify a lot of the misconceptions about what's going on day to day in European politics, in domestic politics and in international affairs. So guys, Thank you very much for tuning in. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel. Subscribe to the podcast page on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts. Follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Facebook and get in touch. Bring me your questions. I am here to give you guys the answers that you guys want, that you guys may need, and to clarify the issues at hand. 
Guys, have a lovely day. The weather's going to be great today, it seems, just about everywhere in Europe. So try and get some fresh air, get some exercise, get some vitamin D in your skin, and I will see you guys on Friday. Take care, have a nice day.